This is Talk of the South. I'm your host, Robert Cox. Today is March 23rd, 2020. In this episode of our podcast, I'll talk with Bob Marone of Radio Westchester about my assessment of food distribution by the New Rochelle school system. The predicate for the entire operation is that no one in the epicenter of coronavirus in New York State is contagious. The food distribution locations are set up to be a perfect delivery system for mass infection of coronavirus within the New Rochelle community. The assessment and an update are linked in the show notes. Get it on! Good morning, Robert. How are you? Good morning. Can you hear me okay? Oh, I can hear you fine. You sound terrific. And uh, Okay. Took me, by the way, you know, you, I, I, I got to throw you under the bus because, you know, everybody knows you, and rightly so, as a very successful, tough-minded reporter. But yesterday, when we were uh, doing some show prep together, it turns out that you were installing a, 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 a bidet in your, in your bathroom. <laughs> I heard all kinds of grunts and stuff. What's going on? Yeah, well, I know I was installing it. I wasn't testing it out. I, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought that in watching the news and going to the grocery store that I, I didn't want to end up, uh, you know, fighting it out in the paper <laughs> products aisle of the stop and shop over toilet paper. And I was thinking, what could I do about that? You know, because I, I didn't buy up a four-year supply back in early March. And uh, so I, I happened to stumble across an article that said a lot of people were installing bidets now as an alternative. And that uh, that interests me a little bit. But what got my attention was that you could save a lot of money because you can have about an 80% reduction in your toilet paper consumption. And <laughs> being part Irish and part Scottish, that appealed to me. Um <laughs> So it did arrive. It did arrive in the in the mail. I got it through Amazon. Uh-huh. It's a, the kind that you you basically fasten onto the 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 toilet seat. You have to like basically disassemble everything. And yeah, that was uh, you know a bit difficult. Uh, it, it's not really hard to do. It's just awkward because you're you know having it, to reach around this in a tight toilet space, ball sure. and get. <laughs> yeah, and it's you know the water's leaking out and and it's just kind of a a little bit of a struggle and that's you called me and said is it a good time to talk i said well <laughs> you know uh, i'm going to explain to people in a moment why i'm laughing but go ahead well just you know i said well i guess i can talk but you know no, you might not that... believe what i'm actually doing which is installing this spray gun onto my toilet bowl but you know anyway yeah that's what i was doing no but, but folks the reason the reason that i'm laughing is to hear there was a near insurrection. There was near a mutiny. His wife, his son, he was barking out orders. And the next thing you know, they were moving in to do some stuff and taking credit for the work that he'd already done. There was some discussion over who moved in after the hard part was done, who forgot to do this. It, it, was, it was theater. I just wish. And then some of the noises that you made, we were certain that you were checking it out, that you were testing it out. Now, well, I... Now, I will tell you that um, after we got off the phone, I finished. I tightened the last, uh-huh. you know, twists of the, uh-huh. the, the screws or whatever. And um, but then the way it works is that there's like a, a uh, like a little like uh, plastic thing that kind of sticks down and mm-hmm. it actually uh, is shielded so that 
it has to sort of drop down a little bit under the water pressure and then spray. <laughs> and I, I turned the, the nozzle to do that and uh, nothing was coming out. <laughs> and uh, my wife is saying, you know, you, well, you did it wrong. And, of course. You know, gosh, like, well, no, I, I did it right. It's, it's no, I'm just saying a wife, that's everything. their job. But go ahead. Well, so she, so she, <laughs> she approaches the toilet uh, and uh, and kind of leans in to see why this thing isn't dropping down. And I sort of, you know, innocently, truly innocently, you know, I turned it further, you know, turned the knob further. And, of course, the thing dropped out and shot out this, you know, stream of water right in her face. And uh, <laughs> Oh, God. She screamed, and my son came running, and, and uh, yeah, she was all wet and, you know, very unhappy and... Yeah, I tried to explain to her that it's not the water from the, the toilet bowl, it's the water from the, the pipe coming in. But she wanted to still take a shower and change all of her clothes. And, uh, <laughs> so, so, so you had a, so in her mind, it was coming from the toilet. You see, it was coming from that. That now. Well, and, and yeah, and explain, you know, explains, you know, in the marketing literature, you know, this is not toilet water. It's water. It's the same well, of water course. you would drink uh, right. a Right, it, it's what goes water. into the tank, you know, right, but of course. But still, you still, you probably don't want to squirt the water from the bidet into your <laughs> mouth, I guess, is probably no, I gotta ask the normal something. Re reaction. I have to ask this. How hard did you and your son laugh when she got shot? Well, I, I actually really tried hard not to laugh. <laughs> no, you didn't. Um, and that was kind of a losing cause. And of course, of course the worst thing you can do is try to suppress a laugh because that just makes the other person that much more upset. And yeah, she was a little angry. <laughs> now, we have to ask the question, inquiring minds need to know, does it work? I mean, you still have to you dry off, don't you? Yeah, no, it, it, uh, it, it works. I mean, in terms of doing what it's supposed to do, you have to do your part too. But, well, yeah, because uh, I, I used one in Japan and, and I guess another time in, in, in Switzerland. But yeah, I, no, I, it, it, it works. I mean, you know, to be honest with you, even though I read the part about it, it says that you can reduce your paper. And it's, you know, look, it's cost savings and it's good for the environment. You're not putting unnecessary paper into the sewage. I mean, if if everybody in town used one, it would actually be a very good thing for our waste treatment plant because it would eliminate one of the biggest problems with all the paper going through the system. Um, but uh, in any case, I feel like, um, what do you call those people? Like a prepper, you know, for <laughs> my toilet. In other words, I'm ready for the apocalypse now because while everybody else is running low on paper six months from now, I'll have the alternative, I just, I will be, I'll be fine. Well, hey, did you see out west some newspaper left a whole bunch of pages blank just in case people needed it? But Bob, is there any chance? Not that I would broadcast it, mind you. But is there any well, chance? Well, we always have the journal news. <laughs> is there any chance that you have the recording or a photo of your or or a video of your wife getting shot with the bidet? Yeah, I do not, and if I did, I'm sure it would have been deleted by her long ago. No, it would have been deleted, or you would have been deleted, but man, it would have made it would have made America's funniest videos, for sure. My guest, Bob Cox, and it's just wonderful to share another side of you. A lot of people don't know about your sense of humor, as twisted as it might be, and uh, 
Welcome. Well, let's see if we can get the rest of the show out of the toilet. Well, no. <laughs> the show is going in the dumper. All righty. Bob Cox, our guest, uh, the uh, very well known for Talk of the Sound. Um, you've been reporting extensively, of, as always, with the school. And now we find out that the superintendent had the virus like the day of or the day before uh, she closed the schools. Is that accurate, kid? Tell us what went on there. Yeah, they. Uh, she made an announcement um, on Saturday that she had tested positive for the coronavirus. And then later in the day, um, and that, that went out to the whole school community, but later in the day she did a teleconference, press conference with about a half a dozen reporters. And, uh, you know, she was live on the video so we could see her. And, um, you know, she seemed okay. She said she was okay. She said she had a mild case. Um, she said she actually didn't believe that she had it because although she had some symptoms, she never had a fever and she thought she would have had to have had a fever. Uh, I think what it really shows is, um, you know, every case of, of COVID-19 is, can be really, really different, mm -hmm. um, in terms of the symptoms and the impact on the person and, and all the other factors about, you know, the, being symptomatic and, and, you know, how long you're actually feeling sick for. And, you know, so there, I don't think there, I think the real message you know, from all that is there isn't any one course of, of, of the sickness, but she seemed okay. Um, uh, that said, I mean, and of course, you know, you don't wish that on anybody and everybody wants her and everybody else who has it. And there are some other school uh, people who, who do have it now. Uh, and also is, uh, I didn't hear the whole thing with Chuck, but he may have mentioned they've got two firefighters, two yes, he did. officers, yes, he did. building officials. So, um, you know, for all of them, you know, you wish them good health and for the rest of us, you know, I just figured it's, eventually it's going to be our turn, right? So just be prepared. Um, well, you know, there was but, an interesting, if I may, there was an interesting statistic, you know, you got to do your digging as you know, better than anybody. And you really don't peak. Uh, you don't get what's known as herd immunity until 60% of a population is infected. That's, 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 that, that number jumps right off the page at you. Mm, yeah. Well, you know, who knows where this is going? Hopefully they'll come up with something that, uh, you know, will, will actually mitigate or even solve the problem. I, uh, you know, would like to think that the way that it's being treated by the people in, in charge is like the Manhattan project, you know, that mm -hmm. all the best minds are putting, being put to work to solve the problem. And, uh, you know, I think that, um, you know, go back to what was said initially by, uh, Dr. Fauci was that it'd be, you know, 12 to 18 months before you'd have a vaccine. I, I can't even imagine that's going to be the case here because they're expediting everything so much. So mm -hmm. hopefully we'll have something, you know, sooner rather than later, although that may mean, you know, end of the year, not necessarily, you know, tomorrow, but, uh, again, that's all sort of speculation in the meantime, you know, I'm doing this show from home. You're sitting there by yourself and that's what everybody else should be doing as much as they can. Now, Robert, what else, you know, the, the news goes on, the stories go on and, and, you know, what did Rahm Emanuel famously say? Uh, no sense wasting a crisis. Isn't it incumbent on, on those of us in the news to keep an eye on some of the other things as well, as you always do? And what are you most concerned about during a crisis in terms of, of government and, 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 and things that could go wrong that we don't know about? Well, I mean, certainly you would be concerned that, 
the crisis becomes an excuse for taking away people's civil liberties, and then you mm-hmm. might find that they're kind of difficult to get back. Um, so, I mean, to take a, a, an example from, from our school district here, um, when, this, uh, when the school district initially had the three schools shut down by the containment zone, um, the, the school board president said that they had received permission from their attorneys to provide the National Guard with the uh, contact information for over 2,000 students uh, who were eligible for free and reduced lunches. Um, yeah, so that's typically confidential information that cannot be shared. And they said uh, it, uh, they, they, their lawyers felt it could be shared because of the emergency. Um, but also think about who those kids are, right? In this town, there's going to be a non-trivial percentage of those people who are illegal aliens who don't want to be tracked down by the National Guard and don't want their home addresses given out. And as it turned out, the National Guard was never even remotely Mm -hmm. considering the idea that they were going to offer door-to-door service. Mm -hmm. Um, And in fact, they really weren't involved all that much, really, especially the first couple of days. They came in and they kind of mostly stood around um, while volunteers and other workers were distributing the food. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess we gave up all this information about, you know, our students, thousands of them, um, but for no actual benefit. And now that information is out there. So that's a small example. But, you know, there's a bunch of things that people are doing where they're kind of, you know, not using the best judgment. And that's something that other people have to keep an eye on. I saw, you know, some things that were happening, like with the, the U.S. Department of Justice, mm-hmm where they wanted to make certain changes about how they were handling uh, cases and things like that. So it, it raised questions about habeas corpus and uh, whether somebody could you know, be um, held without a trial for some indefinite period of time. So yes, it's an emergency, but um, what seems like a logical thing to, to somebody, right? Like uh, if, if uh, all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, Absolutely. so you're trying to solve a problem and then you're not really thinking through the implications of, or, or maybe you are, maybe somebody's doing that for bad purpose. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, yes, we are, we are now in a, a situation where if you read, for example, the executive order that um, Andrew Cuomo initially uh, put out at the time that he was shutting down uh, the Waikigil area of New mm-hmm. Rochelle with the containment zone, um, and shutting down isn't even the right word, um, you know, you read through the powers and I, and I call people the city government. And I says, well, this kind of says that if he wants to drive a tank through city hall, he can, you can't stop him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they didn't disagree. So you want to watch that. I mean, every governor now has these emergency powers and um, you're calling out the National Guard and uh, the federal government's declared an emergency. And so, you know, this more than ever is a time for the media to be just keeping an eye on what's going on and, uh, you know, calling calling things like they see them. Um, you know, towards that extent, you know, you may have seen I did a story that I published last night about the food distribution that's going on by the school district. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about and, that. Yeah, well, that's an example where, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people who are working very hard and trying to bring a lot of enthusiasm and positivity towards helping their community. And, you know, you've got all these people who are scared showing up needing food, uh, whether they're the elderly or young children or moms with a with a group of kids in tow. And nobody wants to say, well, there's something wrong with what's going on because 
gee, everybody's, you know, trying their best. And I don't have any doubt they are. But, you know, I've been going around to those food distribution sites since day one. I was there when the first one opened um, on, on uh, Tuesday uh, the night. Uh, let's see, that was the mm, time flies, I guess. Mm-hmm. The, it does, maybe doesn't the 14th, four, uh, No, the 12th of March, I think, was the first one. Um, that, it seems like a long time ago, but it wasn't. it's only uh, uh, 11 days ago. But, um, you know, there are some very significant problems with the, the food distribution. And I've, you know, uh, been trying to work behind the scenes because I'm a, a member of the uh, District-wide Health and Safety Committee yes, for the School District of New Rochelle. Um, but my concerns have been largely ignored. And um, although they did make one significant change, which I'm, I'm happy about, which is um, being implemented today, I'll go around and look at the sites after we talk and see if it is, in fact, being implemented. Uh, and, that, and that was really basically a, um, the idea that this is not actually a food shortage emergency. You know, people are not starving. Of course it's not. Uh, because of the pandemic. I mean, the grocery stores are still open. People who were uh, in need are still getting the government assistance to buy food. There are still food pantries. None of that has actually changed. The only thing that's really changed uh, that, that I can see is that the schools themselves, which were you know, typically providing uh, breakfast and lunch to about 4,000 kids on a free or reduced basis, uh, are no longer in school, and they're trying to get food to those kids who otherwise would be getting food. But nobody else is actually prevented from doing what they would normally do. I mean, the groceries aren't even closed. You're free to go even today to the groceries. And if you were getting government assistance, uh, you're still getting it. And if you weren't getting it and now you lost your job, you become eligible for it. So it is not a food shortage. It is a school closing issue uh, that is brought on by the fear of uh, legitimate fear of of community spread of the coronavirus. Now, Bob, do you think, if I may, do you think it's been my own, as you know, speculation, but you're a little closer to these issues than most of us. Do you think that that is why he, both here in New Rochelle and certainly down in New York City, there was a reluctance to close the schools? Well, that was the number one reason that was given. It was repeated over and over and over again here in New Rochelle, and it was brought up many, many times in the city that these there's all these children that depend on the school district for their meals. And if you think about it, they're getting breakfast and lunch five days a week. Mm-hmm. There's seven days in a week and three meals a day. You're talking about a little under half their meals are coming from the school district. So and you're and you're talking a lot a lot of people. I mean, in in New Rochelle, it's around 4,500 kids who get 10 meals a week from the district. So that is actually the need. That's really only the the only new need. Now, yes, there are some people who um, would be struggling because they are out of work and all that kind of stuff. But let's remember, um, this food distribution started, uh, like I said, March um, 12th. All right. At that time, nothing else was closed. Businesses were not closed. You could still do jobs of any kind. So people who were working in restaurants or driving taxis, uh, in in other words, living off of what they made that day, they were still functioning. So um, you really just had these roughly 4,500 students in New Rochelle to deal with. And uh, but what's happened is, is that that has radically changed in a very short period of time. And all of a sudden, the nature of what's going on has been radically altered. So last night uh, at about one in the morning, the superintendent sent out an email 
where she dramatically shifted who is actually becoming eligible for the school food, right? So the original announcement was the 4,500 kids uh, who were eligible for free and reduced lunch were going to get the food. And they started producing it uh, last Monday, and they started delivering it last Monday. Uh, then a few days later, they announced that it was any uh, student of the district. So that's not 4,500. That's, you know, roughly 11,000. Okay. Last night, she announced it's anyone 18 and under. Now, that is about 16, 17,000. That includes kids that go to private schools. That includes people that don't go to school at all. That could be dropouts. Yeah, but, that could be two-year-olds. But two -year -olds. Why, why would we do that? What am I missing? Well, I, 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 I don't have an explanation, but I will tell you that it was, it was a little bit you know, concerning that the way the superintendent uh, announced that was she said, remember, food distribution is limited to uh, people 18 or younger. And my reaction to that was, remember what? That's not what you've been saying all along. You did, not, there's nothing to remember. You have made an entirely new standard. And the, the, the statement doesn't actually even say you have to be a New Rochelle resident. Well, there's about 76 million people in the United States who are 18 and under. So that's now who's eligible to get food out of the school district's food distribution. Um, and because they're not actually checking to find out who people are, anybody can walk up and say, I'm getting two parcels. I have uh, a 16-year-old and a 12-year-old. And they're just going to give them the two parcels. So actually, it's now infinite. The school district has basically adopted the position that they're going to feed anybody on the planet who shows up at one of these locations. Well, and it's interesting because when they initially announced this, they went to great pains to explain that because of how the, uh, the funding worked for the food, uh, which is in part covered by federal dollars and uh, local taxpayers in the state, but... Um, that they had, they were limited in what they can do with taxpayer-funded uh, meals because it had to go to a city school district in New Rochelle students. Initially, only those eligible for the free and reduced lunch. All of that has been thrown out now by this announcement that was sent literally in the middle of the night. Uh, and I don't know if people really understand the significance, but it was also deceptively announced because it wasn't something that was previously stated where she said, remember, this is our policy. Now, it's an entirely new policy that uh, about quadruples the number of people eligible, if it's interpreted to mean you have to be a New Rochelle resident, but it doesn't even say that. Bob, what's behind all of this? I mean, wanting to feed people is a wonderful thing, and, 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 and I get it, but doesn't this underscore a, a, a huge societal problem? I mean, why do so many people, A, need to eat at school, B, and this is where I think I've become more cynical than, 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 than you have ever been, is it seems to me there's an agenda I'm not understanding here, frankly. I, 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 uh, you know, is it that we want to, there are a lot of other people they know won't eat if they don't do this who are off the radar. I mean, am I being too cynical? There's just something that's just not right. Well, you're, you're, you're asking me to get into sort of speculative analysis and things that I can guess at but you know i could be wrong and so i'm kind of reluctant to no to i get understand into that. that but 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 there's this part of me that says something's just 
just not right. But at any rate, well, then again. Well, I, I, guess, I guess what I could say to address your point is something that's in the article I published yes. today, which is on the homepage of Talk of the Town, right. which is assessment of food distribution by the City School District of New Rochelle in response to the 2020 coronavirus pandemic. And that is that there is a developed uh, over the past 10 days a sort of gold rush mentality. There are people who are involved in the food distribution who have always had an agenda of something much broader, which is a massive transfer of wealth. And they're seeing this as an opportunity to accomplish that goal. I think there is some of that going well, on. Well, that's what I said. Um, well, and in particular, there is a, a group out there, Indivisible Westchester, um, you know, that has a, a sort of what I would call a Bernie Sanders sort of mindset, you know, sort of socialist mindset. And um, they have been attempting uh, as best they can to co-opt all food distribution in the state. They've been organizing um, uh, conference calls with uh, school and city officials and trying to portray themselves as running the food operation, making all sorts of demands about the, the quantity of food, the quality of the food. And while I don't know this, I suspect that in large part, the superintendent is uh, responding to that pressure to, uh, like I said, open the floodgates, you know, turn on the spigot and just provide food to anybody who wants it, well, not to free and reduce eligible Well, you foods. see, here's, here's what bothers me. You know, if, if you're coming at me, I like to see the face of who's coming at me, for good or ill. And, and even if one accepts the notion, and it's a fair notion that people don't have enough to eat and there needs to be income distribution, why should our schools be at the focal point of doing that? That's not their role. And, and I guess well, I'm making. That I mean, I, I mean, we're we're. I mean, we are going, you know, deep into the issue of the financial and legal side of this because it's the use of taxpayer money. That's yeah. Allocated allocated for the purpose of feeding the students that are eligible for it in the school district, not anybody who wants it uh, in the schools, let alone in the community, let alone in the world at large. But you know, to to you said you want to know who's coming at you. Well, the, the people who who organized the calls were. Uh, uh, two indivisible Westchester people, uh, Dina Barrios, who's the president of Glenwood Lakes, and uh, um, Katie Minaya, who's been involved. Both of them have been involved in the collective. Most of these are the same people. Uh, all these people have been uh, that I that I know of have been involved in the collective. So that includes uh, people like Damon Marr. That includes people like um, Martha Lopez from District One City mm -hmm. Council. Yazira uh, Ramos Herbert. Um, so those are those are some of the people that but, are behind us. Uh, Shelley Meyer has been down at uh, the the main what, what is now the largest uh, community partner site, which is West Cop at 95 Lincoln. Mm -hmm. uh, Damon Marr has been down there. They were both there when I was there, and um, I, I do believe that a, a piece of this is indivisible Westchester, which overlaps significantly with the so-called collective, which was opposed and has opposed and even filed uh, lawsuits against school district and the superintendent um, is trying to basically co-opt the situation to create a free food for all, free stuff for all program through their site, um, what they perceive to be their site, um, and to, you know, to gather support. And I think some of these people are looking at it through a political lens. Uh, Katie Minai and Adina Barrios are both said to be uh, candidates or prospective candidates for the school board. 
Um, Valerie Williams is on the school board already. She's another indivisible Westchester person. She's been involved in these phone calls. She has been online telling people that this is basically a, a free food for all program where the, the district is not providing food to the housing authority or Westcop for purposes of uh, passing it through to the district students, but instead that they're donating, and there's a big difference, the food packets to these organizations, Westcop and Housing Authority, to then let them do whatever they want with it, which is why these organizations are giving it out uh, to, to anybody who shows up at their door. And they're actively promoting that. They're also doing it in competition with the actual school sites. So at one point last week, I went to uh, the housing authority site at 345 Main, and I asked them how many packets they had given out that day. And this was maybe uh, 1030 in the morning. Um, and they told me they had done about 300. I went to the Trinity Elementary School, where presumably these kids know to go, because for many of them, it is their school. And they had only done 60. So... Is it really possible that there's five times as many school district kids that are eligible for the free reduced lunch of course not. in the two apartment buildings mm -hmm. down at the hollows, 345 and 361 Main? Mm -hmm. Or are they just treating it as this is for everybody, anybody who wants it? Well, and look, I don't really care so much about, within reason, that you know there's some slippage. And I wrote course. about that in my article. Yes. That's to be expected and all that. But this has been turned on its ear. And so now the superintendent has actually become in line with that because she's saying something very different now. That This was basically at one in the morning this morning, complete different uh, a scenario than what they were saying uh, when the governor actually uh, announced the containment zone. Then it was you know, limited to about 4,500 students who were eligible for free and reduced lunch. Now it's anybody who's 18 or older, it doesn't matter who you are, and we're not going to ask if you show up and you're a 50 year old woman, 50 year old man. Well, who are these for? They're just going to mm -hmm. say they're just going to say here, three parcels and they're going to get the. So that's uh, that. So that suggests that this is going to even you know start escalating further. And now the high school, which is the production facility for these meal packets, is ramping up operations to become feed New Rochelle, not provide meals to the the kids who are forced to stay home. Uh, but for the coronavirus and who are eligible. So there is this competition going on both between the partner sites who are trying to attract more people to their sites and discourage people from going to the school sites saying they only have the school food. We have all this other stuff. And in fact, uh, the 95 Lincoln site, Westcop, mm -hmm. as I described it as, as more like a carnival at this point where they're not just doing food distribution. They're having book fairs. They're giving away birthday presents, wrapped gifts. They're giving away uh, clothing. Uh, they brought in an ice cream truck. They brought in a food truck. And the, the problem with this is that's the kind of thing that you do uh, maybe if you have a situation like Hurricane Sandy. Right. We had that. There was a need to distribute stuff. People didn't have power. They couldn't keep stuff in the refrigerator. There was that need. But when you're talking about a pandemic, you don't want to be attracting as no many people congregations as you can. And of then, people. And then more importantly, trying to find ways to keep them there. Okay. And having things like just take the ice cream truck. It's parked right in front of the building. So people queue up to get their ice cream and then they don't just walk away. They stand there, they and lick they their ice cream. I watched it. Mm -hmm. And and they're talking and hanging out. So now all of a sudden the truck pulls up, there's two people in line, eight people in line, twelve people in line. Seven are finished. Now there's 20 people there, 25 people. And they're also blocking access for everybody else to get to the front door 
you have to then go through a crowd of people. Well, this defeats the entire purpose of social distancing, and it gets worse. Um, I was invited Friday to go down to 345 Maine uh, because they were having uh, a hot dog barbecue. And I just looked at the lady like, are you nuts? You're going to be serving food and having people congregate around and hang out and eat hot dogs when you have this highly contagious disease. So that's why the beginning of my article, I say the fundamental predicate to the entire food operation by the school district is that no worker or client is infectious. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's the opposite of, of how it should be. But it gets worse because they're not following best practices. They're not, nobody, people aren't washing their hands. They're, some of them are wearing gloves. Some are. Very few are wearing masks, if any. Uh, they're not uh, changing the gloves. Um, you know, they're, they're, the one big change that, that did come about, and I'm, I'm happy about it, I was pounding away on this since Tuesday, is that the district is now involving trained medical staff mm -hmm. and sanitarians. So they're, they're doing something right now. They should have already done it by now which is that they set up a screening like they have at uh, Glen Island for, for people who are looking to get tested, where they're surveying the people uh, uh, through a closed window. And then they're having them go to a different station to get a vitals check, a temperature check. If they pass both of those checks, then they're allowed to go to work at one of these food distribution sites. Mm -hmm. uh, if they don't pass, they're sent home. And, that, and then they're supposed to be throughout the day checking their temperatures periodically. So the idea is if somebody were to become symptomatic, you could get them out of there, you could shut right. the site down for a day, get new people in, but yeah, then you could reopen. Hey, hey, Bob, one of the things in your, in your article uh, that, that really jumped off the page at me, or at the screen, if you will, is at the so-called, at the book fair, you had people picking up books, putting them down, the next person picking up a book, putting it down. That is insane. I watched one woman. There's a picture there. She's an Asian woman wearing a mask uh, so people can find the picture in the article. And she went down two tables full of books and she literally picked up every single book on the table. One after the other. And I just watched this and I shook my head because, first of all, the book tables were set up in front of the door to the facility at 95 Lincoln. And they also had, on another day, uh, clothing on the, the tables. That's where they also had the gifts, wrap uh, wrap presents. Um, so what they did was they actually gave people a reason to go to the front door and to get their food and then remain at the front door to go through the clothing, to go through the books. And nobody was there to say, hey, you know, move it along. Those tables and, and there was a pop-up awnings that were set up were put up there when the National Guard arrived uh, uh, on the first day because they were doing uh, all the food distribution outdoors. And I asked the uh, director of that uh, operation, um, the, the director of Westcop, you know, what was going on? Why, why did you uh, uh, stop uh, using these tables? And he said, well, people were just grabbing at the packets and, and you know, we couldn't control it this way, uh, but we moved all the food inside and then they come to the door and they ask for what mm -hmm. they want. And, they want three parcels. Somebody goes inside and gets the parcels and brings it out to them. Um, so setting aside that this creates numerous um, opportunities for uh, close contact and hand-to-hand -hand contact, because every parcel I saw was being directly handed to the client from the worker, uh, usually in now very what's close Bob, proximity. Now, to define a parcel, is it a bag of groceries? 
No, not a bag of groceries. These are lunches, right? That okay, are coming from I got school you. District. So there's like okay. a container of milk. I, I, okay. I didn't get one. So uh, maybe, you know, there's a sandwich in there. There's, a, you know, some healthy snack like a pack of carrots or something. I, you know, I, I don't actually know because I certainly wasn't going to take one of the packets that was meant for somebody else. So I just let it be. But you just, you know, it's stuff that would be coming out of the school cafeteria at the high school. So it's okay. like a standard mm-hmm. meal packet. Okay, got it. Um, but in any case, you know, so they what, what they did was two things. Number one, to control the food distribution, they decided to make everybody go to the door and basically place an order. So what does that do? That delays the process. Mm-hmm. You want people grabbing stuff off a table for two reasons. It's much faster. And um, also, uh, they don't have to have direct contact. Workers can put the food on the table, then step away, and then the person can grab the food off the table. And so you're not in proximity, and you're also not making hand-to-hand uh, contact, but by putting all these other items available there, so people are picking up the clothes, looking through them, reading through the books. So now you've got instead of one person walk up and, and leave, and then another person walk up and leave, you have 10, 20, 30 people congregating in this small area in front of the door. And then inside is maybe, you know, eight, 10, 12 workers milling about and interacting. So all of a sudden, an area that might have maybe two workers doing food distribution and one client picking up a bag of food. So three people, right, in proximity for a few seconds, you've now got dozens of people who are milling about for extended periods of time. Well, that's the exact scenario you're looking to avoid. And that's why I said that basically uh, the food distribution locations are set up to be a perfect delivery system for mass infection of coronavirus within New Rochelle. Oh, my God. That's uh, it's, it's inc- and, and we may already be there, Bob, because I, you know, I talked to medical people, and I'm sure you have heard it and talked to people too. There's about a two-week delay from if you show symptoms to actually get a positive test back. In the case of the superintendent, it, who's an important person, a VIP, it took her nine days. So this is, operation's been going on now for 11 days, so we know what that suggests to me. The community spread from these sites has probably already occurred. Uh, there's probably already people there who are showing up uh, or who are working there who are uh, uh, carrying the coronavirus. And one of the most important things I, I think I found was, you know, the studies about um, the impact on the elderly and the very high mortality rate for people over 80 in particular, but over 70. Um, and, uh, and also the issue with uh, children um, who are 50 percent of the cases, mm-hmm. they had mild or no symptoms, but were shedding the virus. They were capable of transmitting the virus. Mm-hmm. So if you have children who can shed the virus and they don't even know they're sick and you have elderly people who have high mortality rates, you want to keep those people apart. They're Absolutely. actually bringing those people together. They're actually deliberately bringing those people together um, and, and, then, and then having them congregate and interact. So uh, it, 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 the main point I've made to school officials is you're treating this as a food shortage issue when it is not, there is not a food shortage, okay, anywhere. Uh, that's not what's going on. There's a paper towel shortage, there's a toilet mm-hmm. paper shortage, as we discussed. There's not a food shortage. You can go to the Stop and Shop or the Sea Town and you can get, you know, fresh fruit, fresh vegetables, chicken, beef, whatever you want. Absolutely. All the boxes of Rice Krispies you want are there, okay? So that's not an issue. And the government doesn't stop giving out, uh, you know, SSI and, 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 and what's well, called food stamps, but, you know, basically food stamps. They're not stopping doing that. So, uh, you know, there really isn't an actual need for most of this stuff. And so by sort of conflating all these things together, 
and, and treating it like we got to get all these food to starving people. New Rochelle is not Ethiopia. Okay. That's not what's happening. <laughs> no, it is not. Let's put a pin in that for a moment. Just to reset, this is Bob Cox, publisher of Talk of the Sound. I'm talking with Bob Marone, host of the Mornings with Bob Marone show on Radio Westchester. We've been discussing the food distribution effort by the New Rochelle School District in response to the coronavirus pandemic. It hasn't gone very well, and uh, we're going to get into some more of the details about what's been going on. So let's get back to the second half of the interview. Continue, Bob. Well, I... uh you know, try to, uh, first of all, I didn't explain something, which is that um, I should have explained at the top. So I'll explain it now. Um, this, this article actually was not intended as an article. That's why if you look at it, it's really, really long. And it, it's actually, if you look at it from a writing perspective, it, it's actually something layered on top of something else on top of something else. The reason for that yes. is that I toured the facilities um, the first Thursday and Friday when they had three sites, I, when they opened, and went to six sites. I stayed away for a day to let them get them get the three up and running. I went back on Tuesday to see what was happening. I became very, and I wrote an article about the tour of the facilities, but I kept my concerns to myself while I was touring. Uh, but I saw a lot of things that were troubling. So I contacted uh, the school board president and I shared my concerns with her. And she was alarmed by what I was describing. And uh, she asked me to write something up. I as, as you are, very, very busy. I wanted to do this, so I had notes and all that, but I, I didn't actually get sit down and, and write it until, until early Thursday morning, uh, about 36 hours later, really. And, um, but I, I kept writing and writing and adding pictures of what I'd seen to show, uh, show them what I was seeing, um, because what I found out was that the people running the school district weren't actually looking at any of these sites, okay? The superintendent wasn't there. Uh, the school business official, the board president, uh, the medical director, they weren't going to the sites. So I don't know what their idea was what was going on, but I was the one who was sending them updates. And that's why you see in the article, it says update from this date, update from that date, because this was me reporting to them saying, I don't want to make this public because I don't want to deter the families of the kids who actually do need these meals that were that are the ones that are you know, eligible under the original plan. And what I understand is eligible under the law. I don't want to discourage them from showing up there. But at some point, it's like, hey, in good conscience, I can't allow you to just ignore these concerns, no. continue to operate as you have been, uh, and, and, and create all sorts of risk. Because just think about this, and I would ask your listeners to think about this, right? Um, currently, uh, and actually in New Rochelle, parts of New Rochelle for, for a while now, mm -hmm. you're not allowed to uh, congregate uh, initially more than 50 people, now more than 10 people. So That's correct. The schools are closed. City Hall is closed. The churches and the temples are effectively closed. I mean, they're not having congregations in. Restaurants are closed. Bars are closed. So just think about it. The only place in town where large group of people are still congregating is at these food distribution mm -hmm. points. So I can all but assure you that if there is another mass outbreak, like with Young Israel New Rochelle, it is going to come out of these food distribution points because this is the only place it can happen right now. Now, you know, hey, hopefully it won't happen. But I will tell you that in going to these sites over and over again, 
uh, it is not something that uh, people are thinking about. They're in, what you they're know. really doing is sort of like a pretend uh, mitigation. You know, okay, this guy's got gloves, this guy doesn't. Uh, some people have masks, most of them don't. Some are keeping their distance, most aren't. So the number one thing that I wanted, and, and actually this is sort of happening, it's about half happening at this point, is I wanted that the medical professionals be appointed to each site to be mm -hmm. there whenever they're operating. Absolutely. And then you would empower them to order people to change their gloves, wash their hands, disinfect the surface, uh, take temperatures, uh, send people home, shut down the entire operation if necessary, or pause the operation if it was getting too crowded, enforcing the social distancing. You know, I, I told them that, like, if you go to a Super Bowl or other big event where there's a lot of people, one of the techniques they use to control the crowd, it's not for pandemic reasons, it's just you don't want people getting crushed. Okay, you don't want, like, the Who concert, right? Remember in Ohio. Mm -hmm. So what they'll do, is, like, in the Super Bowl, I experienced it, I've been to a few, um, they'll have these, you know, uh, lines set up, and they'll sort of be like um, corrals. Uh, and then what happens is they say, okay, you know, 25 people at a time. You move forward, you people stay. And then they start creating all these gaps, right? So there are ways to do crowd control to separate groups of 25 or groups of one. So there should be a cone set up and rope line set up. And they should be telling people, okay, you can move up to line number seven. Now you can move up to line number mm -hmm. six. And they should be chalked on the sidewalk 10 feet apart so that people are stepping through a process. And you don't move forward until the person ahead of you has moved forward. And you don't move forward yeah. to be the next person you know, until the person ahead of you has left. You know, Bob, after I, I read your article, I went fishing for how to handle food acquisition. And it was kind of interesting. The good news was that so far there's no indication that the virus can be spread from food. But what they said is, even in each family, only the same person should go out, get the food, and then, and then you have to be suspicious of the packages that people have been picking up and putting down. That per They should take it out of the package and, and wash their hands. So you have all these people going and picking up packages and parcels that other people handled. I don't think anybody's telling them this either. Well, I did find a study about um, aerosol and surface stability of, uh, of COVID-19, mm -hmm. and it, the numbers were cardboard, 24 hours, plastic, 72 hours, steel, 72 hours, fabric, 12 hours. Well, the tables at every location are plastic and steel. The clothing put on those tables is fabric. The boxes are being towed around by the workers are cardboard. So there's all these different surfaces where coronavirus is known to live, and you know, the lady picks up the book and then somebody else picks up the book and now they put their hand on the table and now somebody else puts their hand on the table. So, yeah, there's many, many opportunities for community transmission occurring at these sites. And like I said, there's not the slightest consideration. Now, as I said, they're, they're, they're making a change today and this is in response to my report. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not happy because it's my report. I'm happy because it's necessary to do. So they're going to do the screening of all the workers that are district employees, and then they're going to be at the sites, and they're going to be taking various actions to make sure that uh, good medical protocol is being followed. However, that's only at the school sites. That's only for school district employees. Mm -hmm. That has nothing to do with what's happening at 345 Main, 575th, and 95 Lincoln. Those sites are run by community partners, and they don't have to do anything, and they've shown no inclination to do anything. In fact, with uh, what, what's being done by uh, 345 Maine, the Housing Authority, 95 Lincoln, Westcop, is they're actively promoting 
themselves. So, you know, uh, uh, offering uh, people pizza, like opening up uh, pizza boxes and mm-hmm. laying pizza out on a table and serving Yikes. the pizza. The people serving are not wearing gloves. Uh, they're not wearing masks. They're not wearing hairnets. Um, they're doing the outdoor barbecues. Um, and like I said, at, at 95 Lincoln, ice cream trucks, hot dog trucks, clothing being laid out on tables and books. It's almost like everything you'd want to do to cause community spread is underway at these two community partner sites. The district can't control them. And I'm really coming at this from the perspective of protecting the school children in the district because I'm on this committee and that's really what my focus is. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't see any other solution other than to decouple the school district from these partners because these partners are behaving in a way that the school district cannot afford to be sanctioning or engaged in and, and being part of, of attracting children to the sites where they're intermingling with all these other people um, and causing themselves harm, possibly spreading it to older people, all the other problems we talked about. And so uh, although my initial response was that they should shut down 95 Lincoln because it's a train wreck, they're ob- obviously not inclined to do that. They're all gung-ho and very excited well, it, and looking to further expand. No, they're raising money. Uh, uh, West Cop is is so far raised over $60,000 in the last couple of days, they're looking to expand operations, not, you know, rationalize it in any way, make it more organized. So, um, well, Bob, you know, can we, uh, can you, can we appeal to the powers that be the city, uh, the city law enforcement or, or, or even the County health department to say that if these things need to exist, they need to be run properly. I mean, the city officials have been fully in the loop about my reporting here from day one. Uh, they have the reports. Uh, my understanding is the city passed it along to the county. I personally sent it to the governor's office. I also sent it to the National Guard so that they would understand the environment they're working in because they're down here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but look, uh, there was a video posted on Facebook by, um, by Westcop itself that showed an assembly line of food parcels being put together for uh, Hope Community Services. The other day, Friday, they put together 600 parcels for Hope. Okay. Well, you can see in the video that the people, some of the people are not wearing gloves. The one guy who's in a van who's receiving all the packages to kind of organize into the van, he handled every single package. He's not wearing gloves. The national, two of the National Guard guys are not wearing gloves. Nobody's wearing a mask and they're handling food. They're also not wearing hairnets, which under county health laws normally if you're handling food that's what you're supposed to do so mm-hmm. um that they they don't even understand the significance i mean a number of the pictures and screen grabs that i posted about mm-hmm. 95 lincoln in my story were posted by them okay one of the most ridiculous things that you see is the constant posting of selfies and group photos where people are standing shoulder to shoulder i know arm I, arm. I, I couldn't believe those those shots i and so it's 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 just like it, to, it just seems to me that the people running the community partner sites, the housing authority and, uh, and Westcop, although, you know, as I said in my article, this isn't, this isn't meant to say that they're not enthusiastic, that they're not really trying to help people, that they're not full of energy, that they're trying to interact with people in a positive way and kind of cheer them up. And I'm not saying any of that, they, that's all happening, but it, it's happening in a context that, they don't think anybody could possibly spread the disease. I don't know what world they're living in because the whole state is on pause, lockdown, uh, in a pretty significant, unprecedented way. I mean, in World War II, we did not do what we're doing now, right now in New York. 
And yet they're operating like, uh, you know, this is the 4th of July picnic. And I, I just can't even fathom what's going on. Well, but a big part of it in my mind, Bob, is, is that there, there's a number of people who are seeing this as a, a, a kind of a gold rush, that they're going to grab as much stuff as they can, including money, as fast as they can, while they can. They see it as an opportunity to grow their organizations, buy you know, votes, buy political support, uh, market their organizations, make people more dependent on their organizations for stuff. And as I said in my article, I don't even understand why they're raising money at all, because they have volunteers and National Guardsmen who are giving out food from mm-hmm. other places like the district and feed Westchester. They're not paying you know for what, any Bob, of it. If I may, but even if we allow for their ambitions, okay, it doesn't explain why they're not doing it properly, that they're not involving health officials, why they're not insisting on social distancing, why they're not discouraging these aggregations of people. That's the part that's most troubling. I mean, you certainly answered my, my, cynical, my cynical side, but, but it doesn't explain to me why they're not taking the proper precautions and, and where I'm hopeful that your article and the reactions that I and others will have to it will, will make something happen. Well, as I said in my article, that's why I'm publishing yes. it, because I did not intend to publish it. It was meant to be shared internally with uh, the superintendent, sure. the medical director, the school business official who's running food distribution, the head of food services, the school board president, who could then, if she wanted to, share it with the rest of the board, which um, I, I expect probably did happen, um, You know, and other uh, the, the facilities director, other key people. Okay, now we have a different problem, right? Now what we found out over the weekend is all the people I just mentioned, I think almost all of them, uh, they're now all in quarantine. That's it for today's episode. We put a link to the story in the show notes in the podcast. You can always check there for links mentioned in the show and any other tidbits from the episode. Remember, you can subscribe to the Talk of the Sound podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and with any of your favorite podcast apps via RSS. Complete details on talkofthesound.com under podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Talk of the Sound, on our Talk of the Sound Facebook page, or visit our website at talkofthesound.com, where you can bookmark our homepage or register for our daily email blast. Thanks for listening.